You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Okay, we are here in uh, Vienna, in Wien, uh, at the Steigenberger Hotel uh, with uh, a panel of uh, prominent Austrian bloggers. And uh, I am going to introduce each of them, and then they're going to tell you a bit about their blog. Uh, and we'll start with you, Helge Farnberger. Yeah, hi, Eric. Thanks for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a blogger, just as a pastime blogger, no one earning money from it or anything uh, of the like, as, as so many bloggers in the US, as we see, uh, do. This is not really, really happening in, in Austria, I suppose. So what I, what I do, what I started in 1999, before knowing that it was called blog, I started to put up a, a journal on my webpage. And somewhere between 2003 and 2005, it picked up and people started to read it and respond and comment. So actually what happens now, I'm a, um, quite a similar thing to you. I'm a social uh, software, social media consultant and more of the product development side. So I, I help people and companies design social media products, social software. Um, and uh, actually, my blog is my is it really replaces any any corporate website. It, it's perfect perfect way of, of getting the word out and, and I don't know people. I some I somewhere read um, in a in a in one of the standard books of sociology of the 80, 80s, one of the three preconditions for human cooperation is a record of previous behavior. If you know how somebody behaved in the past and I think that's what my blog does for me so people see how I think how I react to things and can really build up a, 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 some trust and yeah that's what, what it is and our second blogger is the uh, the young and hip um, Michael Vaccaro who uh, will tell us about his blog yes um, I started the blog uh, it's called Clusterfuck um, I started it like two years ago and since then I use it as a promotion platform for unknown artists um, throughout the world, uh, mainly Austria and Germany. And we use it to um, get unknown artists and musicians to get them like a record contract, to get them into some sort of booking agency. And we also do a lot of these things by ourselves. If we find some musician we like, we um, have this friendship deal with him where we promote him, where we replace all the agencies if they don't have the money to do it themselves or um, aren't famous enough to do it themselves. And we also do some events in Vienna to promote these artists and work closely with um, a lot of labels and agencies who try to promote musicians and radio station, for example. And uh, yes. And we also have uh, Matthias Wurz, um, who uh, is a, uh, a journalist, and tell us about your blog. 
Also, again, thank you for me for uh, for me to uh, for inviting me for this occasion. Um, also, my blog is uh, I started blogging about two years ago, and I still raise for myself the question: What is blogging for me? As as for Helge, um, it's it's my social conscience and what I do and shows what I do and the way I think about certain things. Uh, my blog is called Music and Politics in Vienna, so um, it's, um, it's more classical music because that's also what I'm trained in. And, but I look beyond, and the intention was to explain um, some of the Austrian affairs, some Austrian with relation to European affairs, to an international audience, because that's what I realized. There's certain cliches, I lived in the UK for a long time, about Austria. And I feel, yeah, well, it's not really exactly true, but um, let me give you some insights to this. And so that is how this is, this came about. Okay, so let's start with the first question. Let's get the important question out of the way, all right? I want to know, and I think probably our listeners would like to know, how do Austrians feel about Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> I'm not Austrian, so... We'll get the German perspective yeah. first German, from Michael Vaccaro. The German perspective from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I don't really care so much about Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like, I think it's, it, was, it was funny a while ago to see that um, an actor that bad um, can be a politician uh, in the US, just with um, romantic relations and, okay, leave it out. Um, the only thing I'm, I already I remembered about Arnold Schwarzenegger is that he is the only German-speaking actor that gets synchronized, even in German. So that's the only thing I kept. How do how do Austrians feel about Arnold Schwarzenegger? Are they proud of him? The, I don't think so. Not too much. It's it's funny in a way, but. Um, Maybe what you would like to, to to know, what you probably can't can't judge, is uh, you you know how funny he talks when he talks English. But what you don't know is that he talks equally funny in German when he talks German. So actually, he's a man without a mother tongue in a way. So he lost his mother tongue and didn't acquire a new one. So but he lost his uh, naming rights on that football stadium too, right? What was that all about? Well. Um it's a funny story just to say my personal opinion about him is I do some LA based research so I, I get to know a little bit more what he does over there um, frankly for me he's an actor who's become a politician and it doesn't matter if he's Austrian or not um, he's, he's he was running for California so um, it's uh, there was some proudness in Austria yeah. there was some proudness in Austria of course that and, and you couldn't have 33 million votes for an Austrian in Austria because there are only 8 million of us and but in the end personally for me it doesn't matter really um, but the stadium situation was had to do with the death penalty and because uh, most of most of European countries death penalty is abolished and the reason was there was a particular uh, case that uh, many Austrians appealed to Schwarzenegger to not execute that death penalty. I would not be able to tell you exactly when that was. I think it was two or three years ago. And um, he did not do that. And so the city of Graz decided, um, well, was actually reconsidering and then actually executed that the name Arnold Schwarzenegger Stadium should go. 
So that was the story now, behind it. Remember, remember John Kerry, who was uh, the challenger to uh, uh, George W. Right. Bush. He had Kerry, and he had Austrian descent as well, right? So uh, you know, was there any remorse when when uh, the Supreme Court of the United States uh, decided that uh, George W. Bush had won the election? Very much so, but not not because of the. <laughs> Not because of where he came from, uh, hardly anybody knew, but you know, there are obvious other reasons. Uh, there was uh, a lot of, no, nobody in Austria, not even the right-wing voters, and there are plenty of them, um, understood and, and really approved the re-election of George W. Bush. And uh, wasn't Bruno, is, did you guys see the movie Bruno? Yeah, I, I haven't. I, have. I haven't seen, I, I, I know, but... Through it, but he was Austrian, right? No, yeah, he, he, he acted Austrian. He acted Austrian. Like, he's like a, he's an English comedian. Right. Yeah. yeah but I so no one thought that was funny here. No, I, I think it is. Actually, I just I, I, I didn't see the movie, but I, I, I know the uh, the persona from his from his uh, what is it an MTV show or something? Yeah. Ali G show. Uh, I think it's funny. I like it. Yeah. I'm I'm not offended at all. Yeah, I didn't see the movie, but I I found the posters when they came around pretty funny and and people from abroad told me you know this is this this Austrian sort of uh, funny uh, movie and I I sort of haven't had time to really look it uh, watch it yet so I, I can't say more than about it but it's I wouldn't be offended it's like Austrian people they usually don't what, what I came across in Austria is that the Austrian people don't really uh, they don't really care so much for, for somebody that is like who uses Austria. For example, like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger gets elected in the U.S. It's like okay, he's Austrian, but we don't have so much to do with it because a lot of people are ashamed of people uh, who aren't that like uh, how do. It's hard to express it. But, but the sound of, of music, you, you do like the sound of music, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only reason I know about this film and I've actually seen it is um, I stayed in the US for a month when I was 15 years old and I was forced to watch The Sound of Music by the underage girls that were living in the same house. Uh, otherwise, no, nobody, no one knows the film here, the movie. Yeah, that is also what I can say. I didn't know anything about the movie until 1997 when I went to the UK. And uh, towards the first Christmas time I was there, everyone said, oh yeah, you're from Austria, you have to see this, you have to know it. And, uh, but when you go to Science Book now, like 10 years ago it was different, but now you see certainly, of course, Sound of Music postcards and, and, and uh, nostalgia. Michael, Sound of Music, have you seen it? No. Great movie, I really like <laughs> this. Yeah. The songs, the songs are really catchy. Wonderful. They get in your head. And they, yeah. it's, it's, jazz, it's jazz, isn't it? Yeah. So, in the US, if you go to like a Starbucks or a coffee house, it's very common to see people in there on their laptops working, cell phones going, you know, people working in isolation in a coffee house, in a social mm -hmm. setting. I've noticed there's coffee houses everywhere here. I haven't seen a single laptop in the coffee houses. Why is that? There's a simple answer to this. Most of them don't have wireless internet. Um, so, um, and you would possibly have problems if you would like to sit there for two or three hours to plug in the electricity um, because my laptop would run out after just one and a half hours on battery. But you always find like if you really want to work in a coffee house with yeah. your laptop, you always find a way to yeah, get the internet. You could search for it or get electricity. I also have to disagree. There are between three and four hundred uh, cafes in the, all over Vienna 
that have wireless internet and maybe every tenth uh, out of them has uh, um, plugs. So um, actually in comparison with, with most European cities, Vienna is very, very much advanced in terms of uh, wireless internet. The only thing is um, there is no like, no rule. Go to the next Starbucks and you're gonna have wireless internet. That doesn't work. There are very few Starbucks and they don't offer wireless internet. They do, but it's it's crappy and you don't have to have vouchers and it's over after 30 minutes. But there are plenty of independent coffee houses and that's what Vienna is, is like. Therefore, Starbucks in Austria is a little bit strange because it's like the import of something that was already there before Starbucks existed. So. Um, places where you could hang out for five hours and read a newspaper and or work on your laptop and read a book or even write a book that was that that existed 120 years ago in Vienna. So just Helgi, without the laptops. Helgi, are you saying that there is a community that works in coffee houses on their laptops here? I just haven't seen them. Um, or is it is it culturally not something people? No, say? it's probably not as there's probably. It's probably less than you say in, in Seattle or where wherever, but not that much. You probably haven't. You probably have frequented wrong places. Yeah, the Viennese are really proud of their coffee house culture. So if you go to like a really old coffee house here, it would just disturb the the established more. If you go into a coffee house here and see like a MacBook and somebody sitting there with a cell phone and a MacBook, it just doesn't really fit in. There are a lot of places here where a lot of young people go and they um, meet and they sit with a laptop. was just in a coffee house, uh, like not far from here, sitting there with my laptop and working. But you don't see it here so often because people treat coffee houses a little bit different still here. They go there like to drink a coffee, drink the, read their newspaper for five hours and order like two coffees, for example, and sit there for ages. So if you work on your laptop there, it's not what you do the whole time. It's just you meet there some people or you go there by yourself and read a book and it's not a place to work. Like in a lot of other cities where people like go there and really like with the idea uh, of working. I also have to disagree. There are actually really some hacker places and hacker cafes and uh, plenty of them. A dozen at least where it's packed with people on a laptop. But they are in every city. They're like in, yeah. I think in Vienna, there are like more places without those people oh, than sure. in different cities, is what I was saying. So this morning, I went into a coffee house and I got a coffee and a Danish. And I was walking down the street, eating my Danish and drinking my coffee, and I felt like people were looking at me funny. That is strange. Yeah. <laughs> that's really Because, that's you know, really in the U.S., every, nobody even sits no. in the coffee house. We're plugged into the machine, it's so we have to get our coffee and we drink as we work and, you know, plugging into the machine. And I felt like people wanted me to sit down and eat my Danish Yeah, why not? Seated. Why not have an, hour, have an hour, hour to sit down and drink your coffee? It's like... It actually sounds like a really yeah. nice idea. I never really thought about it, but yeah, you always I could see how it's attractive. Yeah. But you know that, 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 that it starts at a different point already. It starts with a coffee. What you drink, sorry, excuse me, and I... I Probably not right for Starbucks and some others, but for most places where you get coffee in the U.S., that's just black water, and and that that's where it starts. I probably I would drink it uh, while walking as well, um, or probably wouldn't drink it at all. Oh, but yeah. uh, that's that's where it starts. It's not no real coffee. It's not espresso. It's not no strong thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I can I can say when I was in LA and Hollywood in February this year, um, this is the thing I noticed. You know, you people just go in for their coffee and drink it, and on whenever they go, and you would just queue, and then you have these some bigger Starbucks that are virtually empty at certain times of the day. And I was sort of thinking, I don't quite understand this. Um, even if you have a lot of things to do, you will have some free time during working hours at some point where you go for lunch or something, then it would, it would make sense to me to sit down and Starbucks coffee isn't the worst. And so I think it's, it's a different mentality. And, and so it's, it's certainly very strange if you would buy coffee in Vienna and just keep on walking um, with it in the morning. So. There's a saying that in the US, we uh, live to work. And then in Europe, you work to live. Is it true? For most part, probably, yes. yeah. yeah, for, yeah. For like the Western Europe, if you go like to Vienna, Barcelona, Berlin, whatever, uh, it's true most of the times, I think, because there are a lot of people who live in this culture, like I'm living in at the moment, where you just, where you get your money to, for example, if, uh, to sit in the coffee house for two or three hours and do nothing but read a book and you work to be able to do something like this. If you go to another part, a lot of other parts in Europe, I've just been to Warsaw uh, for the last two weeks and it's a little bit different there. It's like people still really work. A lot of people in Vienna don't work at all or work in parts of um, the economy that don't require uh, so much work to to make a living because it's really easy here to earn enough money to just live your calm life. Yeah. I read in a poll somewhere that Austria is the best place to live in the world for quality of life. The the city uh, the city is Vienna is is ranked one of the top. And so what's so great about it? Here? Uh, it highly depends on your own very personal definition yeah. of quality of life. Okay, so, so I, what is define that quality of life? I don't know. There are plenty of things that are great uh, and uh, plenty of things that are probably reasons to go somewhere else. Um, it's not the best place in the world and certainly not the worst. Um, but what is what is great is I, I think it's, it's really safe. It's a really safe place. You have you don't have to worry at any time of the day or the night in any any part of the city, and um, it's 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 calm and it's it's organized and it's has great great um, public transport. You don't you don't need a car, and it it has really really cheap housing um, in comparison with most of the European cities, uh, maybe maybe uh, with the exception of Berlin. And uh, and plenty of other reasons, um, but on the other on the other hand, I, it's not it is not Berlin and it is not Barcelona and London and and you and LA or San Francisco. It's smaller and it's a little bit more laid back, a little bit more conservative and more less art, uh, contemporary art and more historic things, which is nice if you if you if you are into that. So, uh, I mean, would you say that uh, it affords a, um, a better sort of work-life balance if you don't have to work as hard, you can sort of enjoy your life, you can spend more time in social situations? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I sort of want to, to add on to what Helge just said is, um, 
maybe yeah maybe this is we we don't take work that seriously i mean i have lived in the uk where there is certainly a this is different to most of the western europe that i know um which is closer to american um where you really you, you're dedicated to your work and the work goes first here you know even even if the most dedicated colleagues of mine they say you know i'm glad when it reaches somewhere five or six o'clock in the evening it's over the, the work world switches off and I am I am myself in a way and I haven't really experienced this in the UK I haven't lived that long in the US it's where I really see that that the, the, the working life just continues the whole the whole day into into the family life but I think maybe maybe because in Vienna is much more laid back that you sort of feel um, yeah we also have it we have our personal life uh, that we we nourish and we really enjoy so um, yeah because <laughs> one of the things I see with social media is the um, the barriers between work and personal life are collapsing because like for me I have I mean I start when I started on Facebook I didn't really think oh this is a personal friend this is a professional friend and so what I wound up with was sort of everybody in one group and so you know I, I try to um, be be thoughtful when I post things so that I don't offend people or so that I don't you know, uh, denigrate my own reputation, obviously. But um, I wonder if, because there is such a distinction, a clear distinction between work and play uh, here in, in Europe and, and I guess in Austria mm -hmm. too, does that affect how social media develops? Is social media less important? Is it less of a factor because of that? Um. I'm not so sure that it is so much less of a factor. We are, we always have been in in terms of uh, of web innovations, um, more or less two years behind the US. Two years sounds an awful lot because two years ago we were where were we? Um, it's a big difference, uh, but on a larger scale, it's not it's not so much time. Um, so um, social media here especially in urban areas, plays a, plays a huge role. Especially in, in uh, Twitter um, is, is, is small, but it is um, very influential in Austria. You reach uh, maybe, I don't know, 20,000, 25,000 people, maybe 30,000 people over via Twitter, which is nothing in a, in a country of 8 million. But those that you reach are multiplicators, journalists, uh, people who reach other people via different means, etc. So um, I, I'm not so sure that the difference is, is, is so tremendous. Um, Facebook is huge. We've got uh, 1.2 million active users on Facebook uh, in a country of 8 million inhabitants from, from, from any ages. And um, I think the big, the huge difference is that all those innovations, or most of them, come from the U.S., not from Europe, because of the because of the delay of the two years, because of the lack of risk-taking culture, because of the lack of risk capital, because of maybe other reasons, maybe also because of um, bureaucracy hurdles that you have that you have to overcome as an as an entrepreneur. Um, and probably also because of laziness and, and cloning US ideas uh, instead of inventing new ones. But um, in terms of, the, of 
the mass market in terms of the people, social media is huge here, and we have all the same phenomena, um, phenomena, phenomenons um, like the the collapse between work and work and private life, the collapse between um, cons consumers and producers of content of of services, um, and also most importantly. Uh, consumers talking back, consumers talking back, voters talking back to the parties they vote for. Consumers talk, talk, talking back to the to the, to the big companies. Um, that is, in the the, the huge corporations, uh, there you see a huge gap, a bigger gap. They they haven't understood this yet. But um, but uh, the, the the mass market is is quite has quite changed. But yeah, yeah Michael, tell us. The, uh, for the young audience, yes, um, and also is Facebook a factor for the young audience? And Facebook uh, is, re is, is is a big factor in Austria and Germany. But as he said, um, like Austria is really really good at um, taking ideas from the U.S., um, leaving some time, like two years or something, and then transforming it um, to to their own use. Like we. Uh, we the Austrian people and Germany and the whole Europe, we we don't really have so much social media platforms we invented ourselves. Like the only social media platforms that are really big at the moment are like music social um, media platforms like Last.fm and Play.fm for example is the only serious social media platform I can recall um, that is coming from Austria. And to the other point of um, Mixing social life and work, and from before, I'm sorry to because I didn't want to interrupt somebody. But um, in Austria, it is like um, this: all the young, the young people um, they work together and are friends because of this. Is like a little group in in Vienna, um, like he mentioned in Twitter. You can uh, reflect it on the social life here because they're like just a few people that are important for for the local scene for, from the young scene and um, they influence everybody else. It's not like in a lot of other cities where a lot of people try to get on top of like like club culture or music or something. They just leave the work up to the people who, who are already there. That's like if you listen look to the club culture and social scene here, it's like 20, 30 people. That's it for, for like a capital, which is really, really sad because this is why the city is so stuck in development of music, social media, and any other form of um, arts and media. So we need to. We need a lot of people to, in Vienna and in Austria. This is. It takes a lot of, lot of, lot of time here to develop something. Really, people here are really, really lazy. Um, just um, creating their own ideas and following them. They. All, everybody here in Vienna come here to live an easy life because what we said is like number one in this list because here you don't have to care about so many things and people come here and they get lazy and everybody gets these huge ideas but the phenomenon I, I've seen here um, in Vienna, I've just been here for like these two years but um, they have got these huge ideas but nobody has like the guts to develop them and really make a business out of it. Um, maybe I can add to this because it's just an interesting point. Um, I wouldn't call it laziness, but I would call it extreme skepticism. Um, it takes, it takes for Austrians, um, this was one of the reasons why I left at a certain point for a few years to go to the UK, is the extreme skepticism if you try to do something new um, 
well, you're never gonna make it. And we are we are very uh, um, change. Change takes a long of time here, and so therefore I wouldn't call it necessarily laziness, but I would call it really skepticism. But in the end, it's actually laziness. Just if, um, you, if you see like somebody has got an idea. And but we still do what we've done before, so we don't. It's not that we didn't do anything. No, uh, I, I didn't keep, say yeah, that. But yeah, no. This is why. That's why it, for me this this uh, this. But this was just a side comment that I wanted to add to this. But I wanted to go to Facebook, and uh, since you mentioned this, I, I'm I have also started uh, with Facebook like two or three years ago to just break down my personal life for quite a while and just uh, combine professional and personal com um, contacts. Um, this is also the, the professional context on Facebook. It's something that many of my friends, Austrian friends, don't really do on Facebook. They say, well, this is for me, you know, for social reasons, but not for professional reasons. It depends on what you do. Yeah, exactly. So for me, of course, this is important because I deal uh, through my former newspaper with a lot of Americans and, and British people. And so, Matthias, so you're mixing... Friends and business contacts yeah. on your Facebook. I have, page. I have, I have, I have all of. I have from my different professions, different people that come into Facebook, and I'm very happy to do that. But I have become much more restrictive on my personal content on Facebook because I really force it more to be uh, more professional, uh, as a, for professional use, not for personal use. Are, are I you on Twitter? Um, yes, I am. What's I, your Twitter ID? Uh, Matthias um, underscore words. Um, yeah. Spell it out. Matthias, uh, so my, my first name, underscore, last name, um, that's my Twitter account. Um, Michael, you on Twitter? Yeah, it's a uh, clusterfuck without the, uh, it's just T-L-S-T-R-F-C-K. Muesli, like the cereals. <laughs> Helgi, uh, this is your Twitter ID. That's is my it? Twitter ID, <laughs> M-U-E-S-L-I. Got it, yeah. okay. And what we'll do is we'll have links to their Twitter IDs and their Facebook profiles in the show notes. Um, so, look, we look similar for the most part. Uh, we like the same music. We like similar things from a cultural standpoint. How are we different? Who? How are, how, how, how are you, uh, the, Austrian, the Austrian social media uh, advocates and bloggers, different from the U.S.? From my point of view, um, since I'm not originally Austrian, I just moved here, uh, we are not not different at all. It's just we we just um, take the platform and we all, before, before I started, I knew a lot of blogs that came from the US and whatever, and you already got this um, layout put in front of you and you fill it with... Um, you're, you're kind of uh, with your point of view and your taste in music or whatever you want to publish but I don't think it's that different because um, blogs are always no matter where they come from they always have got an international readership if they're in English um, so don't really differ yeah I see some differences uh, I think we we still have to lead the discussions and, and yeah, discussions that you had like two years ago, we still. So have Helgi, to, you're saying that that there's a, that there is this this gap between what's being discussed here in Austria now and what's being yes. discussed in the U.S. Now. Not not because I wouldn't want to discuss the same things because we all read blogs uh, from the U.S. as well and we, we 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 read we know what's going on there, 
But you have to, if you have to deal here with media, with companies, with uh, politicians, and you speak about social media, about participation in, 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 in commerce, participation in politics, you still have, you, you're dealing with dinosaurs. Um, you, sti you still have to, uh, to, you still have to argue over topics like, yeah, well, but the internet is a, a lawless um, area. So, to start to explain that it's not, that laws also apply on, on the net, etc. This is a discussion. Also the discussion, bloggers, are, are they the new journalists or aren't they? I think that's a discussion that we have overcome years ago. Uh, but still, you people want to talk to you about this. And I think to a lesser extent this is the case in the US because it's, it's like two years ago. Well, give us, if you would, paint a picture for us. Let's start with this. Um, Helgi, do you read a daily newspaper? Do you read a print newspaper? Yes. Michael, yes. do you read a print newspaper? Yes. You do? Yes. Do your friends read print newspapers? Most of them, yes. I do. Matthias, so all three of you, um, you know, we, we you all read newspapers because, you know, in the U.S., people aren't reading newspapers as much. They're starting to read their yeah. news now online. I, I don't. I don't have. I don't have a newspaper subscription. I read different kinds of newspaper every day, uh, or almost every day. But I'm. You know. I don't. I don't have a. TV, I don't have TV. I don't have a car. Uh, I have no newspaper subscription. I don't own a radio. The only. I, I'm. You know. I'm the marketer's nightmare. The only way you can reach me is online, and most probably you are only going to reach me through my social network. So through recommendations, through people that I trust, mm -hmm. that relay news to me. That is not mainstream here. That is really, really the exception still. Michael, is that true for you? Uh, of, um, what, what do you mean, like getting the information, the things you, you, you post on your blog, the information, so the information of what, Some, what do you mean? Somebody said if the news is important, mm -hmm. it will reach me. Oh, okay. I don't so, miss things. So, I, so you're at this point of view that um, you're you're waiting for somebody to come to you and give you the information. No, 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 not really. I I'm subscribed to people on Twitter. I'm subscri subscribed okay. to blogs. I'm I have my Facebook network, and and I you know every I get my information mostly through my social network. He used the, the, it's a social filter for it's my him. filter. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to. But yeah. your blog is a social filter for music. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the beginning, I had to do all the work uh, because nobody knew the homepage, so I had to go to labels and whatever because it's still like a little bit of a craze on what kind of music you post. Because on our blog, we always some, sometimes we don't even have text. We we, we j sometimes we describe the artists or writers about something else, but. Most of the time, there's no text. There's just a song you can download it for free. So uh, in the beginning, I had to go to a lot of labels and ask them, "Do you have anybody worth publishing that hasn't been released yet?" At the moment, it's like this: there um, where a lot of um, agencies that are specialized on sharing uh, music to two blogs. But it took like one and a half year, for uh, nearly, till I received enough. Uh, material to not go and knock at everybody's door to have like 
the ability to to um, choose from what I what I post. If I hadn't done this in the beginning, I would have ended up with um, one song per week and just that's it. So yeah. Matthias, the uh, state of the news media business yeah. is it healthy? Is it financially uh, uh, um, steady? No, uh, not on not on my end, uh, not on our end. I have to explain that I worked for an English language newspaper here in Vienna that is Vienna Origins, so it's not an, Amer an outlet of an American or British medium. Um, there were some specifics to the Austrian media scene that uh, make it complicated, and that is quite different to most of the other countries. That it's the the media funding support system, so to say, uh, ben um, um, prefers the big. Uh, newspaper corporations um, in any case so we we um, um, at that time me as well we sort of were really struggling or still struggling um, on that end but uh, the point is um, people seem to read uh, like me as well still more newspaper I would agree on that but for me I uh, unlike I think the other two uh, other the other two bloggers here um, I have a very open, uh, very uh, my email address is known to f quite a few media channels. I am officially accredited Austrian journalist, so um, and I do get a lot of material, and I have I don't I have to choose what I do for my blog, uh, because I I don't need to go to 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 ask people to you know for ideas or anything. I have a wide range of topics that I do. And um, it's it's I, I go to three to four events a week. Uh, I I don't even have time to really write about them anyway, all of them. Um, but what I found interesting, what blogging enabled me to do, I also do more or less semi-professional photography. Is that blogging enables me to go actually back to to the classic reporter type. So you go to an event with your camera, with your notebook. And I don't, I don't mean the laptop, I mean really a physical notebook. Take pictures, make your notes and write the story with, uh, with the pictures. Um, that has, uh, that, that's gone lost over the last decades um, in journalism. Because yeah, there were the writers and there were the, prof the professional photographers. Um, but I wouldn't do it if my pictures were of mediocre quality. So I, I, it's a semi-professional, almost professional level. I wouldn't do it if I couldn't do it. Um, but it's an interesting challenge, and so I experienced the world like uh, like journalism possibly was like in the 1920s, 30s, or 40s, where it really was like this. You know, the reporter went there and made sure he had also the pictures that he needed for his stories. Um, so you guys are telling me that the news media business is pretty stable here. Your newspapers are important. You read them; they matter, and um, and uh, mainstream media is 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 viable. The the decline of uh, of print newspapers in in terms of uh, subscribers is slower than in the U.S. currently, but it is there is a steady decline by up to one percent per year um, for the last twenty years almost, and um, the decline the loss of of advertising money is is even bigger. Um, uh, the, 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 the media that are more under pressure currently, even more than, than daily newspapers, are, um, are electronic media. Um, not only because of the internet, I must say not even mainly because of the internet, but because of the uh, segmentation uh, of uh, TV stations broadcasting for the Austrian market um, that is very small, you know, 8 million people. And 
it's 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 a slaughter. They it's really it's really bloodshed. And um, the internet now um, has a very very low percentage of, of ad money um, out of the out of the total in Austria in comparison even to Germany, uh, but compared to the U.S. It's like uh, it's like 25 percent of the share that, that online gets in the US, uh, online gets here. And uh, it was, it's the same two year gap, actually. And so every you, you just have to look across the ocean to know what is going to happen in two years. Um, and of course, we, we're gonna so be where, where your media- papers are gonna go south. Oh, sure, yes. sure. Just a matter of time. Yeah, sure. Here's a question for, for any of you. Um, are, you have any knowledge? Are you aware of any uh, individuals or organizations that are really focusing on search engine optimizing their sites in German? Oh yeah, organization. You know, media organization. Uh, organi any organizations at all that are looking at oh, organic and natural yes. search engine optimization? Oh yeah, plenty in, in German. Plenty. Where? Where? Tell tell me about that. Like, who who would you say? Which organizations? Which websites? do a really good job with search engine optimization? Um, I'd say there are, are in, in Vienna or in Austria, there are about 20, 25 notable startups that like half of them matter also in an international market and non-German speaking market. Can you name a few? Yeah, sure. 123people.com is a search, a people search engine that is uh, it works better in Europe than in the US, but it works very well worldwide, and they have they do a brilliant job in in search engine organization. Basically, in Germany, in France, in Austria, in many European countries, when you Google a person that does not have an own web presence, etc., and it's not very well known, the 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 possibility that among the top four is one of their profile pages is very very high. Okay. But there are, I mean, other startups um, like uh, Soup.io, which is a tumble blog service that is very, very big in, in Asia, for example, comes from Vienna. Um, it's, it's even blocked on the Great Firewall of China because of political uh, ac activists using it. Um, what else? You, you, are you focusing on, on search engine optimized uh, sites? Well, uh, there is a there's tripwolf.com that is um, an Austrian social social software service uh, around um, around tourism, user generated as well as um, content coming from from traditional publishing houses of, of guidebooks. Um, it's it's big, it's good. Uh, they are really taking it serious in search and search in SEO. Um, and uh, what else? SEO like? I don't know. I could name my own, which is European based bikemap.net, um, is Europe's biggest collection of bike uh, routes, bike routes, as Americans say. So um, basically, a Google map mashup around cyc uh, cyclists, um, which is. Uh, it's done in nine languages, and and we have we use reverse geocoding, so the definition of local uh, entities within the website in compare uh, in in connection with the user generated content. I think it's around one hundred seventy thousand routes uh, online um, to automatically generate landing pages for for 
the long tail of geographic uh, cycle sports uh, phrases, etc. But there are probably some more uh, of international relevance. Michael, how do you use? I, I notice your your blog is clusterfuck hosted on Blogger. Mm -hmm. um, do you use Google Analytics? Uh, no. Do you, do you take any? Do you, do you have any insight into how people find your blog? Uh, yeah, I just use. Uh, it's called Blog Patrol. I just use it. And I check it, and I can see where people are coming from. What is their ID, uh, IP address? Well, where, where do they come from? I mean, do you get most of your traffic from Google, or is it mostly people talk and they know they uh, hear about like, it? Basically, it's like uh, one third is uh, from Google searches. Okay. But you usually just by the name and like artist names and and stuff. Um, so you find naturally just by putting up a song of an artist who's not distributed, yeah, and if, if they don't you, have a website, you, they're going to find you. Yeah, if you put in like an artist. Uh, it happens a lot for like, especially like electro and techno artists. If you search for a new song that hasn't come out yet, for example, put it in Google, and then you, sometimes people find the website. Others, other um, referrals are um, from other Austrian um, homepages. Like I work for some magazines here. It's called um, The Gap. It's uh, uh, The Gap and Vice Magazine Austria, and there are some backlinks and the other. Um, more than half of the users uh, I got are like self-referral who like come to the home subscribers. Yeah. So in the in the event that there's maybe one listener who is interested in 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 hip techno music, tell us who are the hottest the, the hottest three artists you've blogged in the in the last few months. The last few months, the hottest. Um, there's uh, one German techno artist, which is uh, they, like a duo, and they're not famous yet, but they're really good. They're called Micro, uh, Micro Trauma. It's a Micro Trauma. Right. Um, there's one guy from Germany who was like an old hip-hop producer, and now we, uh, we pushed him from like two... I found him when he had like two clicks on MySpace, and now he got like a record deal in the US and one in England. He's called MMM Matthias. M M M Matthias. Matthias. Yeah, Matthias. And the other ones are um, database. They're from Brazil, and it's a duo that um, just got famous there. They just got a show on MTV. There, and they're really, really good. And we'll have links to all those artists in the show notes. Yeah, it's really good. Um, okay, and now why don't you, you tell us? Um, you know, at, I think it was almost three years ago, Steve Lore who has been on this podcast before and who's the software editor for 20 years at the New York Times, uh, wrote a story in the Weekend Review, the Sunday section, uh, the op-ed section, um, that uh, they had brought people into the New York Times to train them for search engine optimization. Mm -hmm. He said in the past, he'd written his headlines for his editor and for people, and now he was being asked to write headlines for search engines. Any awareness in the in the media business here in Austria of writing headlines for search? No, but we have, as Vienna Review, we have sort of been thinking in these, started to think about these terms. I mean, I have to explain this: is the Vienna Review is not a corporate uh, newspaper, but a, a non-profit organization. But uh, when it came to restructuring the website about six, seven months ago, uh, this became suddenly an issue to think about. Um, you know. Uh, writing headlines for 
for search engines. Um, but on the other hand, we use the headlines that are used because the website only mostly reproduces the articles that are in print, so it reproduces the headlines. But for my own blog, um, I do, I, I'm, I'm less working with the headlines but with the tags. I do a WordPress-based uh, blog and also the people that read my blog find me through searches. I mean, I have to say there's a lot of things that I write that are very specific and you wouldn't find many links about this on the web anyway. It's like about Austrian emigrate composers or um, there might be, this might be the only English language article available. And in one case, it's Walter Alenis is now in LA based. Uh, he's now in LA based. And if you Google him, it's the first link that comes up and everything is only references to him. Um, and and or my latest story was the Radio Symphony Orchestra in Vienna, which was threatened by a closure. And I wrote one of the two only English language stories about that, which caused a big outcry and an international petition online with over 30,000 people. And suddenly through my blog there came out 50, 60 people within a day from the US. And so this is where I sort of realized um, it, you find it when you look for something that really is specific to me, and that's why I cover really a niche. I'm not really interested in the, the general, uh, you know, people that just come and go. Um, I realize that um, the people that really search either for me or search for a specific story they want to read in English that I have written. Um, that is the majority of, of readers, and I'm so through Facebook and other these kinds of social media, I have built... A, a small reputation that goes into an international circle that reads specific stories and my blog is a, a reader's blog so stories are of newspaper size on my uh, interest there so they are not every day of course then um, but like five to eight hundred words is average but the radio symphony orchestra story was two thousand words with about five or six pictures along with it and i'm surprised people actually they take the time to read it and uh, yeah, so I, I use uh, my, my skill over the last two years was to find the right tags that really make it accessible with the right combina search combinations. And that has worked in my favor. So uh, in that sense. Okay, final question, guys. Um, I walked out of uh, the hotel yesterday and the street was absolutely packed with students. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I, I know the reports said everything from 10,000 to 40,000 students, uh, but I'll tell you what, there were so many students there that there was no car going down that street. Uh, I know that uh, we had hoped that we were going to take a carriage ride, my wife and son and I, who were here with me and left uh, just yesterday, and uh, all the carriages went home because, you know, after dinner, when we got out of dinner, there was no carriages left because they couldn't do any business. The streets were so crowded. Um, and, I, and I talked to a few students, actually. Uh, I put them on my flip. I tried to get some sound bites of what, what they were protesting about. And some of them didn't know, and other ones had sort of some idea. Uh, but what I heard that was so interesting was that the, this protest was organized through social media. Exclusively. Yeah. This, this is the first time this has happened here in, in large-scale uh, protests. It's something we have seen in other places and in or in other areas, um, but it it's very important and it will it's like a point in history where mainstream Austrians and the the establishment will recognize the power of grassroots movement movement. What has happened is that 
um, you have to know that the, 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 the university system in Austria is very, very much underfinanced and is really has has really deteriorated in the last years, and it's a it's an apparent problem. Everyone from different area from different uh, political backgrounds they, they agree, agree on this very thing, and um, and in the recent days, so like five or six days ago, um, a very small group of students decided to protest ad hoc, like now here. In the University of uh, of, um, of of Arts, in the Academy of Arts, and the, the protest spread to to other to, to another Viennese university, and and like within the next day, 400 uh, protesters have organized themselves via Twitter and other media, uh, other media, social media, Facebook and Twitter mainly, to protest in the streets of uh, of Vienna, and they ended up. In the biggest, in the Audimax, in the biggest um, um, university room, or what is it? Auditorium. Auditorium of the of the main, uh, old main University of Vienna, and um, just that's where the the protesters ended, and this they suddenly decided to stay and to occupy the place, and this has been six days ago, and the place is still occupied, and now. Um, it's not the only auditorium uh, in in Austria. It's mainly one well, of them. But hell yeah, I gotta tell you, I mean the people, the number of people I saw on the street, wouldn't 000. fit in any auditorium. No, no, but that's, there were so many yeah, of them. That's what. So how did they all come together? Yeah. And do how do they organize it? Do you know? I mean, have you guys heard anything from friends or any inside sure. information? You can it's all us? over Twitter. If you if you're an Austrian, if you're an Austrian Twitterati, you 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 cannot ignore it. No How would you find it on Twitter? It's What's a, the hashtag? The hashtag is Unibrennt, U-N-I-B-R-E-N-N-T, which means the university is on fire. And was it trending? I mean, if you looked on... It was number one hashtag in the, in the German-speaking uh, Twitter sphere for, for a week or two. So is the German-speaking Twitter sphere separate? Like, if I go to the to my Twitter, would I have seen it there, or...? Um, you know, it's, it, it's, an, it's a question of numbers. Um, you need... Uh, you, you can't really, out of a small, uh, small country like Austria, you can't really... Uh, come to the trending topics of all languages, but it, it has dominated the German-speaking um, t t Twitter hashtags. Mm. But we already had this uh, at the um, museum quartier, which was a really really small incident actually. Yeah. But um, yeah, not really a small. Yeah, not not just a flash mob. They ended up as two thousand people. But they uh, was a really small thing. But it was one of the first things I experienced here, where people organized through social media. There was like the small thing, there's this area here where a lot of museums are, and a lot of students and a lot of uh, people who still go to school meet in the summer and they sit there to drink some beer and just sit there the whole day and then one day the, uh, the, the head of the um, um, area refused people to drink beer there. Public like, to, drinking to, was to, yeah. to, to bring their own beer, which was like a really small incident, but it was the only time I, uh, the first time I realized that um, where were, uh, I recognized people um, organizing something through Facebook or Twitter where they uh, made groups like five minutes after this and had a lot of people coming there to the next day or the day afterwards. I've never seen this before in Vienna, it's like the first time I've seen it. 
The important thing with the student protest that we have now is that the student unions, so the main representatives who originally would be in charge of such a protest, that they are totally bypassed. Um, but they started. Which, no, they did not start. Uh, which, which, uh, which results in an effect that politics cannot force single, uh, a single group of persons to like uh, give up in a way. There is, you have no leverage because there is no one to talk to. There's no single representative of this group of protesters. If the, if the crowd thinks uh, they're going to keep on occupying all Austrian universities and it has spread to Italy, it has spread to Germany, this one thing, no one can stop it. Even if the representative of the union say, no, no, we give in now, that won't change anything. And that is the very first time and, and politicians and journalists realize, wow, something has changed here. Um, I, I would start from the from the other end of what Helge just said is um, the political parties have no no way of instrumentalizing this. Um, Austrian politics, particularly, you know, has has very little uh, presence. I mean, there are present to some extent on Facebook, but not in a way that we've seen it like with the elections of Barack Obama, that who really was able to mobilize. Uh, a lot of uh, a, a lot of his campaign, particularly his um, um, his rivalry with Hillary Clinton at the beginning, through uh, the social media networks. And now, what might happen in Austria that Austrian politics might start waking up. But uh, I think for the Austrian political parties, the train is, has left the station already. So this was this was the inter interesting thing for me. Is um, and the demonstration was something fairly organized, and this was only just the highlight of what has happened over the last week or ten days. And I mean the fact that a, a few hundred students will occupy the main auditorium of the main the big university here in Vienna for days um, is something that that has that has had quite an impact. And uh, what, of course, helped them in a way that the government, of course, uh, the minister, particularly in charge of that ministry for the, for the responsibilities, sort of really choose not to act for quite some time and really refuse talks for a while. Because also he had no one to talk to. Yeah. He, and he said that publicly. Yeah. Who, who should I talk to? Please. Who, who's, who's your representative? Yeah. And they refused. They said, no, we are a group. There is no one in charge. That's that's great. It's I love it. It's uh, really something to learn from, and and to illustrate um, something that has been going on already for a long time before, but we've seen it in niches, and now it's 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 going mainstream. Helgi, Michael, Matthias, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.